You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, LOH, and you can find Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. As we always do every single Tuesday, we'll head to the guest line now and welcome Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. You can catch him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell, and certainly this week you want to check him out. He's got an article about Kimba Walker, the chances that other teams would try to poach him and get him away from the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets, and there's a very good opportunity for Kimba Walker to maybe take one of those chances. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great, Walker. I, you know, there's this big ball of fire in the sky. Well, I don't think we've seen it since September in Charlotte. I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I understand it's called fun. It's quite literally been the wettest year from September, right? I mean, isn't that? I felt yep. like Brad Panovich put that out there not too long ago. It's been ridiculous. Um, yeah, for a while there, I was, you know, I mean, I, if we had better coffee, we could have been Seattle. <laughs> it's, it, it's Seattle East right now is what basically it has been, but I'm glad to see the sun is out and, uh, hopefully, you know, the sun is starting to maybe come out for the Charlotte Hornets, at least at some point. It certainly hasn't been here, Rick. And first off, before we get into your piece real quickly about Kimba Walker, which I certainly want to dive into, last night was ridiculous as well, watching all of the Hornets players drop like flies, everybody but the young guys, and Kimba Walker. Nick Batum was out, Cody Zeller was out, so was Marvin. Jeremy Lamb wasn't 100% healthy. He was listed as probable heading into last night's matchup. Uh, Have you seen anything like that before? It didn't seem like that we had a whole lot of warning with all of the injuries that were coming our way. Well, I have, but just because I've covered the NBA forever. I mean, you know, those <laughs> yeah. things do happen. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. When I, um, when I tweeted out, oh, probably 10, 15 minutes before the game, <clears throat> that Nick, Nick appears to have a problem with his right eye, and this could be serious enough that he can't play, people thought I was making a joke. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah, right, sure, and... <laughs> And I can understand why they feel that way. It, it, it got, it, it actually got <laughs> comical. I mean, it really got to be one of those situations where you just rolled your eyes and said, hey, you know, this is the way it is. What you're going to get to say. Um, I did think, and I'm curious if you would agree with me, that Tony Parker getting a, quote, rest day, two days after getting another rest game, when they don't play again on Friday, if that was not the most transparent, hey, you know, that was just JB saying, hey, this game's a write-off. What's the point of running around a 36-year-old in a game? You know, I mean, he was never going to literally admit that. But to me, that 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 was the that was definitely the red flag of okay, guys, whatever. Well, completely transparent, completely agree with you, and I don't fault him at all for that. And I, I think, yeah, that's fine. You know, let let Tony Parker try to get some rest when you don't have any of your guys out there. I think you can make a case that what five of the six top players for the team, diamonds direct. Sorry about that. You can make a case for five of the top six players on the team. Of course, Kimba being the exception, they didn't play or they weren't one hundred percent healthy, like Jeremy Lamb. And you saw Kimba, Rick. Were you surprised to see him play forty minutes? He, he had a fantastic game, but he played a lot of minutes in a game that there wasn't too many other stars out there for you. Well, you know, the only thing I would say is he had it going. And, you know, he hasn't he hasn't had a lot of games, um, you know, of late where he had it going. So, 
JB may have seen that as an opportunity to sort of ignite something and let Kemba, you know, get his rhythm back. Um, I will tell you that just the other day, I was having a conversation with a with a head coach of another team, just you know, kind of you know, chatting. And he said to me, "Boy, Kemba doesn't look like himself." And I said, "He is utterly exhausted." And the guy said, "You're confident of that?" I said, "Oh my gosh!" I said, "I think, I think that if you look at what he's what he looks like in the fourth quarter right now, I said he is just, you know, I said I feel like the burden is is really catching up to him right now." And Rick, when we try to figure out exactly what Kimba is going to do this off season, I, I think there's reason for optimism for really a whole lot of fans in the sports world. At the beginning of each season, it, it brings in new hope that anything can happen, and you're certainly thinking on the positive side of things. And I don't think that's any different from a player like Kimball Walker. Looking at this team, it should be a team that's talented enough to make the playoffs, but then you lose to a couple of the bottom dwellers. You get into a really tough part of the schedule. All of a sudden, it's the same story that Kimba has to put this teams on his shoulders in the fourth quarter, and you're exhausted, and then you're thinking, well, you know, there's some other teams out there that would love to have my services. I, it, that has to wane on you, right? That has to factor into your decision-making. I would think so. And here's the other thing that I think is kind of interesting specific to Kemba. <clears throat> I don't think he's ever had a false perception of who he is in the grand scheme of the NBA. I think there are players who, you know, are, are, are afflicted with that, you know, misgiving. I mean, certainly I think that Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony, for instance, have not very been good at, at aging gracefully. Now, what I mean about that regard to Kemba is, I think Kemba's probably enough of a realist that he would accept the fact that if he is the very best player on an NBA team, they might not be a real good team over the long haul. Um, and that's what, you know, uh, as you know, I, I wrote a story quoting two sources, um, NBA sources, is saying that Kemba is at the top of the Mavericks' wish list in free agency. Let's talk for a second about that Mavericks roster. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to if if you're gonna if you're going into free agency with the pitch that you can play with Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis for the rest of your career, boy, if that doesn't make if that doesn't open ears and open minds, I don't know what would. So Dallas a couple of years ago was also considered the biggest potential suitor for Nick Batum. Eventually Charlotte throws everything they have at Nick Batum and he decides to stay here with the Charlotte Hornets. And now it seems like Dallas, again, as you said, Rick, in your article, which is extremely informative, there's a lot of interesting stuff that you put in here and everybody should check it out. Just go to the charlotteobserver.com or you can go to Rick underscore Bennell on his Twitter feed and check it out. He's got plenty of links there where you can check out his article. But it's extremely informative. One on the Dallas Mavericks, as you mentioned, Rick, uh, being a very serious suitor for Kimba, I, I would imagine that is hard to turn down with all the talent that they have. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think they're the only team that you know that would make that kind of pitch. I mean, um, if I'm Magic Johnson, you know, I want to sit down with Jeff Schwartz and say, wouldn't Kemba enjoy playing with LeBron? Um, you know, he's, you know, and, and it's not quite the same way with the Knicks unless they can use that massive amount of cap space to assure that, say, a Kevin Durant is coming there. But if they can get another great player, um, you know, I, I, Kemba has been very, 
resistant over the last couple of years of making it sound like he just pined for an opportunity to move back to New York. That does not mean that he wouldn't listen if the Knicks came calling. Well, and Rick, assuming there are other teams out there that would offer Kimba the max at their highest level, is it worth it to the Hornets to give Kimba everything possible in order to keep him? Because that is the advantage they have. They can offer Kimba more money than any other team. Well, I mean, first of all, it, that's obviously, you know, that's a Michael Jordan, um, you know, in his heart of hearts, he's the only person who makes that decision because he's the only person who's going to actually be, you know, be signing those checks. Um, my question would be more along the lines of, you know, there might be a point at which the Hornets need to ask themselves, by doing what they would have to do to keep Kemba, are they precluding the opportunity to put enough around him for the rest of Kemba's career to be meaningful as a Charlotte Hornet? You know, I, I've said for a long time, I don't. I think you can both have great admiration and great, uh, you know, appreciation for what Kemba has done here and what he may, he will continue to do as an NBA player, and still have misgivings about the merits of the Charlotte Hornets giving him, you know, a supermax kind of contract. Those are not mutually exclusive positions. Well, and, and Rick, I brought up the point the other day. We've seen point guards get overpaid here, and point guards that were considered better than Kimba. You look at John Wall's contract. Now, the injuries make that a lot worse than what it originally looked like. Still, that's a lot of money for John Wall. And now you look at Chris Paul, who's certainly older than Kimba Walker, but that's another big contract. And How comparable would those situations be, certainly when Kimba hits 30, where this contract is going to take into effect? Well, you know, we've always talked about how point guard and quarterback are, are very similar um, positions in the two sports. Also, that affects market value. You know, when the NBA did away with hand-checking, um, I think you can make a very reasonable argument that point guard rather than center became the most important position in basketball. Um, I remember Larry Larry Brown you know, talking about the hand-checking rule and, and looking at Chris Paul and saying, everybody's got to get one of those now because they're the queen on the chessboard. Well, you know something? You know, it, it's, a, it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't because if you don't have Kemba, then you're going to have to go find another one. And that isn't easy. And, you know, I don't mean to sound like an I told you so guy, but that's part of the reason that I thought they should have, you know, had Shay Gilgis Alexander on this roster. So let's take a look at the young guys, Rick. Miles Bridges was the guy they decided to go with instead. And I know you've been pleasantly surprised at Miles Bridges' ability. It's somebody that I, both of us think that he's had a very fine, a very solid rookie year. Just Taking a look at this team three years down the road, when a couple of the player options are no longer here, some of those contracts are off the books, what players do you think are on the roster right now that we'll see three years down the road when we look at this team? I assume when you ask me that question, you are, we are making the mutual assumption that there will be some sort of a re, you know, significant rebuild. Sure. No, I, absolutely. Yeah, I am making that assumption. And I guess just for the sake of this question, yeah, well, what guys do you think yeah. under those circumstances would be here? If that's the deal, I think that Bridges would definitely be on this roster, barring some you know great trade opportunity. I think more than likely, even though he hasn't shown much yet, I think Willie Hernan Gomez uh, 
<laughs> we'll we'll get a lot of chances. So it would not surprise me. I don't I don't think they're going to be real quick to give up on on, on his potential upside. Um, I think Dwayne Bacon is kind of that lump of clay that you want to you know keep an eye on. And and I might be honest with you, I might be a little bit overly influenced by by what Steve Clifford said about him because I was really struck. You know, when, when Steve said that it would not shock me, it would not shock him if, uh, if Bacon had starter potential down the road. Um, you know, I, I have a harder time thinking that Malik Monk is going to be a core asset on this team just because, you know, we haven't seen any, any sense of consistency. And until he demonstrates an ability to either guard better or be such a dynamic scorer that you hit, that you just have to live with his defense, I still think he's a very much an open question. Um, you know, Frank Kaminsky, I, I think, you know, I understand why people are really curious and excited about what they've seen of him lately. I still don't think he has done anything that would, you know, that, you know, that would justify anything more than, than making a qualifying offer to restrict his free agency. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we still don't know enough about Frank to say that he's going to round for the long haul. Rick, it looks like the playoff chances, they're dwindling. They're dwindling fast, especially with losses to Brooklyn, you know, splitting that, especially post-All-Star break, losses to the Miami Heat, the post-All-Star break. At what point in the Hornets season, not too many games left to go, at what point is it time to focus on the future rather than a playoff berth? Uh, yeah, I always think of that West Coast trip as the, you know, you're in it or out it uh, thing. Um, it will be interesting whether they, whether management and the coaching staff agrees with me on that. Um, I thought last year fans, and you know, there's a fans prerogative. I'm not, I'm not knocking for it, but I thought fans were a little quick last season to want to just jump off you know, the, you know, even trying mode. And they, they, I think they wanted Steve Clifford to start playing the kids probably a good two, three weeks before I would have. Um, but if they don't see themselves as really being in a, you know, in a, in a, in a realistic shot at making the playoffs, I'm not talking about mathematical chances. When they leave for Los Angeles, I would think that that would be the time if they're not above 500 at that point to just, you know, say, you know, they, you better get what you can out of these last 10 games of the season. And that might be, you know, I, I would, you know, I mean, something we haven't talked about is, you know, the dynamic of Jeremy Lamb being becoming a, a free agent. Don't you have a responsibility in that in that dynamic to learn as much as you can going forward about Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon to be prepared for eventuality. Sure, I completely agree. And last question, Rick, for you. just as I think I saw you answer this in your mailbag column that you wrote uh, maybe a day or a couple days ago about the evaluation of James Borrego in his first season. And I've checked in with you as we've gotten to different points in the season, but now you know it's going to be a playoff stretch. There still is time for an evaluation to change on what Borrego has done, but let's say they do get to that point that we just previously spoke about where you are throwing in the young guys instead of trying to vie for a playoff spot. Just if it were to play out the way you think it's going to here, just what you've seen so far, you know, how would you evaluate what Borrego has done in his first season? Um, I didn't have a big problem with – there are people who think that he has been fickle in the way he's dealt with the rotation. I haven't seen it that way at all. I think, I think it says much more about the circumstance that he inherited, the roster he inherited, than it is about him. Um, I thought he never got to a – 
to a consistent rotation because maybe there was not a consistent rotation to be had on this team. Uh, I'm not cutting him slack. I think that there are things that I um, would do differently if I were him. I think that uh, I, I, I frankly think that I, I would like to see him uh, place more emphasis on defense next season than he did this season. Um, but those are little things, and I I feel comfortable in saying that he is more than qualified to be one of those 30 coaches in the NBA. Um, it, it's a very different experience than, say, you know, when they brought in Sam Vincent, who didn't have previous NBA head coaching experience, or when they brought in Mike Dunlap, and he didn't have um, previous NBA coaching experience. In those two cases, it was obvious to the players that these guys were in over their heads. That's not the case at all with JB. All right, Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Again, find him on Twitter, at Rick underscore Bennell. Check out his article. Again, very informative. All the information you want to know about potential suitors for Kimba Walker in the offseason, the Dallas Mavericks, and some other teams that you can check out again at charlotteobserver.com or on his Twitter feed. Rick, thanks so much for the time. I always appreciate it. Sure thing. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more here. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school, and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six. Schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Seems like we're at a crossroads with the Charlotte Hornets season right now. We discussed a lot of it with Rick Minnell who comes up with an article sourcing a couple of people that have suggested to him that the Dallas Mavericks are going to go all out for Kimba Walker next season. And we know that Kimba, that's that's the biggest question that we've discussed all season long. Is, is the Charlotte Hornets, are they going to try to re-sign Kimba Walker for next season? Are they going to let him go and just try to rebuild? Because this is going to be a roster that doesn't look really at all different now, Jeremy Lamb is going to be somebody that's going to be gone. But other than that, this is going to be a roster where you're going to opt into Tony Parker's options. All the player options are going to be accounted for. And it's it's and you're at a really tough decision organizationally. You don't know what exactly is going to happen here. And now I, I asked Rick Bennell at the end of this interview or close to the end about all the the young players that are going to be on this team three years from now that are on this team currently. I don't know if you can definitively say a whole lot besides Miles Bridges at this point. Certainly doesn't look like it with Ma- with Malik Monk. Miles Bridges is the one guy I think you can push all your chips in and say he is going to be on the team three years from today. I don't think you can do that with Malik Monk. I was a little bit surprised to hear Rick discuss Billy Hernan Gomez possibly being on this team three years from now. I think that there's a. I don't think that you give up on him next season, but it's a guy that I just don't have a whole lot of faith in. You know, Devontae Graham would probably be second, but the one guy that I think nobody feels all that great about is Malik Monk, who was your 11th overall pick just last season. The Hornets are at one of those crossroads like in Kansas where 
the both roads lead to nowhere. Like all four directions, you just have no idea what's coming up. It's like the end of uh, the end of Castaway. You remember that's that? That's exactly movie? what I thought of. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's exactly like that. The the Hornets are Tom Hanks deciding. Well, I've got four ways to go, and I have no idea what's ahead of me. And that's where the Hornets are because you know you've got just question marks everywhere with the development of these young guys. No, none of these young guys that they've drafted over the past couple of years give you any clear indication that they could have a significant leap that you know they could lead the team into the future we ju- they just haven't drafted that guy yet you've had the comparison of Malik Monk being Jeremy Lamb which I think is a good comparison mm-hmm. I don't like giving up completely on Malik Monk and perhaps it's to a fault of mine that I really liked Malik Monk coming into the league and, and just coming out of Kentucky he was one of my favorite players to watch I also I kind of go off of a three-year rule where you know, and it, it might be too much at times, and I think you have it depends on the player that you're observing. You're clingy, but and I maybe be a little clingy, but with Malik Monk, there's just too much potential for me. There's too much talent there to completely give up on him. I also realize that there's a lot of problems in Malik Monk's game, and there needs to be some consistency. And there's not been a whole lot of consistency at all watching Malik Monk play the last couple of seasons. The reason I think that Jeremy Lamb comparison is so good is I think you're right. There's enough talent there to be enticed from a lot of different teams. A lot of teams would find him worthy enough of at least trying to go through a reclamation project. But that might not be the Charlotte Hornets after going through two years of Malik Monk, growing frustrated, deservedly so, sending him off to try to get any kind of asset in return, and then maybe him actually playing well, like a Jeremy Lamb level or something to that effect, something to that level with another franchise. I think that is a good comparison. I think you could be seeing that maybe even come to fruition this offseason or at the beginning of next year. I have a three-date rule. Like I'm the opposite. I feel like I know within three dates – whether this relationship has potential, whether we can we can grow together, that there's something there, or that there's something not there. Now, with producer Katie, it was one date. That's all it took. I love you, honey. I want to know what the three dates are, though. If it's the three dates, what dates do we have for Malik Monk? Right? I mean, yeah, you can you can discuss how long. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't he's feel had good more about than Malik. three dates. He has had plenty of opportunities. He has had wake up calls. He's had benchings. He's had he's fallen out of the in and out of the rotation. He had that opportunity at the end of last season where he got plenty of minutes, plenty of good. He looks. played well at the end. Of, it and wasn't he, meaningful. It wasn't meaningful. So the, you're right about that. Right, and then he had. I think he had the opportunity to follow up on that this season and did not. And has a new coach and a new philosophy and a new game plan that seemingly was supposed to suit. You know, his game and a coach that was fully supportive of seeing him grow within this organization, and, and he hasn't. And, and look, I just think I'm not giving up on Malik Monk either. I, that, I don't think that's a, a, a fair evaluation of my thoughts on Malik Monk, sir. I didn't say that. I think you kind of took that on your own. I didn't say that. I said I'm not willing to give up on Malik. I think we did just realize how you truly feel, though. But no, what I'm saying is I think he's the kind of player that has to go be successful somewhere else. I mean, some people, it just takes that with some people. It takes that wake-up call, that serious wake-up call like, hey, I might be out of the league if I don't change the way I prepare, the way I come into a season, the way I function within the season. There was plenty of opportunity for him against the Rockets last night with all the injuries. How how crazy was that? At, without any warning, really, Hornets PR tweeting out that Cody Zeller was going to be out. Marvin was going to be out. Jeremy Lamb was probable. He wasn't even for certain that he was going to play. Later on, after that tweet, 
Nick Batum is out with an eye injury. Tony Parker doesn't play because it's so obvious. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> yeah, why play Tony Parker? And I don't. Again, I don't blame Borrego for that. If it's going to happen, then on the road against the Houston Rockets, then okay. But still, Tony Parker not playing. That's five of your top six players. Listen, reality always hits very quickly. And this is the clearest indication that we have yet that this organization has sort of come to the realization that this season has not gone the way they wanted it to. And there's really no chance of of turning this ship around at least this season. And it's time. I think I'm I'm so for it. I'm like I, I think it's time for the organization to take as hard a look as they possibly can take at Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, Hernan Gomez, whatever the future of this organization is, apart from Kemba. Like figure out who has a legitimate shot to not only be a rotation player but a leader on the court and in this locker room. And if they're not then use them to try to keep Kimba. That's the thing. They have to They have to use every possible asset, every possible weapon, if they want to keep Kimba away from the Dallas Mavericks and other suitors. That's just the first one we've really heard definitively about. But there will be other suitors, and th- they will have to use every asset that they have, and they got to figure out which ones are absolutely no-goes. Yeah, Rick also mentioning the Lakers, the Pacers, the Knicks. They could all be potential suitors. There's and, a lot of teams And let me there. just say this. I, I think, you know, watching, watching Kimba, uh, over the past couple of games, I just get this gut feeling now, Walker, that Kimball Walker has said all the right things, and I legitimately think he's honest about those things, that he loves this city, he loves living here, he loves playing for this franchise, I'm sure he loves working for Michael Jordan, and and everything that he's been through with this franchise. I'm sure, that just being around him for the little bit that I was around him, he seems like the kind of guy that wanted to you know come to an organization, turn it around, and be with that organization for the rest of his career. But I think this summer, he is going to really have to strongly reevaluate all of those feelings when the money starts to, to come in, and the, not only the money, but the things that these teams are going to pitch him on, the dreams that they're going to pitch him on, the championship dreams. I think will really make him reevaluate what Charlotte can offer versus what some of these other teams can offer. Are you in your car a lot driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of interesting ones all throughout the association. We'll try to hit them on them all next here. It's Locked On Hornets here, Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think not is just going to jump You are the over. gazelle limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm in I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas. Or by Nas. <laughs> by Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I want to peel back the curtain for you guys a little bit here. So as soon as we get done having our conversation (laughs) about the future of the Hornets franchise, right after we get done, as soon as I say Locked On Podcast Network, Doug Mm -hmm. turns to me, looks at me with a pretty serious face (laughs) and says, I need to talk about peanut butter. I do. and And I said, "Okay." You know, he said, look, people know me for my rants. There's a reason I have the nickname of Doug Ranson, and 
I need to be able to talk about peanut butter. Just give me 30 seconds. That's all the time I need. And I say, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for your peanut butter rant. And just to peel back the curtain for you a little bit more, just to let you guys know how it is to deal with Doug Branson every time we try to do a podcast, right before we're about to come back, yep. right before mm-hmm. he looks at me right as the music's playing, hey, I got my three dates. Set me up. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, just, dates. I just threw it out there. I threw out that I that I have three dates. All it takes is three dates for me to figure out whether I would like to move on with a relationship or not. And and that seems like a short amount of time. And I, th- I think I need to explain that. We've had, heading into the studio, walking in, we had a million conversations about various topics, miscellaneous stuff all over across the league, the scandal that is just broken with Lori Loughlin and you have uh and who's the other celebrity that's mentioned in this Felicity scandal? Huffman. Felicity Huffman, thank you. We were talking about that, the Russell Westbrook and fan exchange that happened in Utah, all sorts of stuff. And Doug brings to me the first time that he needs to talk about peanut butter and then at the very end that he's got his three dates that I ask him, you know, ten minutes ago last segment. So Doug, we'll give you thirty seconds. Go ahead Go ahead and commence your rant on peanut butter. Oh, so peanut butter first. And well, then I want to go peanut butter right, first, peanut butter I first. think. I think that's the correct. It doesn't matter. It's out there. Go. I am a man of the people, and uh, I give the people what they want. They want my food rants. They want me to get angry about food. And I had an experience yesterday with peanut butter that I bought from Whole Foods. Don't shop at Whole Foods a lot. Not a big Whole Foods guy. But we went to Whole Foods. I got some crunchy peanut butter. I opened the peanut butter on top of the peanut butter is about two inches thick of oil. Sick. Gross. This is not organic peanut butter. This is their 365 brand of peanut butter, regular crunchy peanut butter. I don't even get to the crunch. Two inches of oil. I stir it up. It is it is peanut butter soup. It is not peanut butter. I say, okay, Katie suggests stick it in the fridge. I said, <laughs> stick it in the fridge? Why should I have to prepare peanut butter? The reason people buy peanut butter is because it is the easiest food. You make a sandwich in it with it in 10 seconds. I should not have to do anything to prepare this peanut butter. Absolutely disgusting, Whole Foods. You should be ashamed. What are your three dates that you've been on with Malik Monk to realize if this relationship is going to work or not? Oh, well, so um, I'm sorry. I, and this is a, a, um, I, this is confusing because I just said three dates to you. I just threw that at you during the break. I actually <laughs> met my actual three dates with a with a partner that I know like, oh, this is not this has nothing to do with. Uh, I apologize. OK, no, I'm <laughs> I, you know what? I don't apologize. You should have been more clear on that. What are your three dates just in general then? I guess here's we, we yours, Doug. Use it to talk about whatever you want. We could probably relate this somehow to Malik Monk, but date one is initial attraction. I mean, we're talking about the the sort of primate stuff, like pheromones. Am I just initially <laughs> attracted to this person? That's date number one. Date number two. So real quickly, Malik Monk, the flashy potential. It can he fall to a number eleven? I don't think he's going to fall. The 40 New York plus, Knicks are extremely interested. Yeah, forty plus points against Carolina. Uh, that was uh, oh. the big shot in the Elite Eight to at least allow Luke May to hit yeah. his big shot. Malik Monk was excellent. That I'm is smelling, attraction. I'm smelling the moans. The pheromones at that point. coming strong from Malik Monk. All right. Second date though is really about: Do we have anything in common? Are you are you at all interesting enough to me that we could continue? 
having conversations. Steve Clifford doesn't like Malik Monk's overall style of play. He really wants Donovan Mitchell, which does fit more in common with what Steve Clifford wants. He wants the defensive-minded guy that is a hard-nosed player. Malik Monk, not exactly the hard-nosed guy, more of a finesse, offensive-skilled guy, but defensively just lacking in a lot of areas. Not a whole lot of common ground there. So on date one and two, I'm on my best behavior. I'm I'm absolutely uh, peak Doug, and and I want I want to find out if you you are interesting to me. But on date three, now this is the most important date. This is the make or break date. That's the date when I figure out how much will you tolerate from me? Because sometimes I'm going to be honest, I'm a little intolerable. So I might do some things on that date just to kind of test the waters. I might you know I might eat a little messy. I might, uh, I might say, I might, I might say something. I might drink a, just a smidge too much, and you know, just to see, <laughs> can you deal with what it is to deal with me? And you, you can should. Can you know- take the LeBron takes at ten o'clock at night? Can you take the right. rolling LeBron takes? Which also text had message? to do with alcohol, by the way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, you know that more than anyone. Like I sometimes <laughs> I'm in. To- sometimes I during a break I take over a show. And and just you have to deal with my nonsense. So that's what day three is all about. And, and maybe that is seeing Malik Monk. You did tolerate him for quite a while. You know, the shots that he would put up. He wasn't afraid of any shot this season that he put up. But Borrego, at one point, found it to be intolerable and sat him and had him a couple of DNC, uh, DNP CDs and didn't allow him to play. Is that a good enough connection with some of the three dates? Is there anything else that you would have switched up there? Do you like the connections that we made? I would have gone. This to is an- the part where you I would answer. Have, I would have gone to another grocery store to buy peanut butter. That's right. what I would have switched out. All right, yeah, oil on top of the peanut butter. That's extremely gross. I think we're going to end the show here today. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I think we should save it for tomorrow. I think there's a lot of Russell stuff. Westbrook. I really want to get in this. I want to get into Russell stuff. Westbrook. Let's do it stuff tomorrow. Too. We have too All much right. time. All right, we don't have enough time. We got plenty of time tomorrow that we'll try to hit on it. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Be back for Doug's food takes once again tomorrow. <laughs>